Well, New Life Church is 10 years old. We're breaking away from the story today as it's a special, it's a special day and that this is our, our annual meeting that we'll have in just a few moments. But I wanna share a message with you first that comes from my heart. This uh, 2021 has been a difficult, a difficult year. I don't know if I can uh, state that strongly enough. It's been a difficult year. In fact, 2022 has kind of started off in a difficult way. We've got, we've got COVID. COVID has been a, a, a who, who's tired of, anybody tired of COVID? I'm a little tired of COVID. Tired of hearing about it, tired of talking about it. You just want to kind of confess it's not here anymore. But, you know, the reality is uh, there's several folks that probably aren't here today because of, because of that very thing. It's still a very real thing. And, COVID has affected so many. In fact, just by raising your hands, how, how many of you have been, personally you have had, whether it's been symptomatic or asymptomatic, you've had COVID since this whole thing began? Raise your hand so you can see, hey, who's in the club, right? Right on, good. And the, 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 it's not a club you wanna be in, right? But praise the Lord. Well, it, it affects us. Hey, we're also in a, in an era of inflation, inflation like we've never seen. Uh, well, we've not seen for decades anyway. This inflation is, I mean, how many of y'all just really enjoy going to the gas station right now, right? Yes, no, nobody? Yeah, it's like, except you Tesla owners, you're like suckers, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, so, so inflation has just gone crazy. I went to the store and uh, the, the other day, or I think it was on Saturday, and I got some groceries for, for us and I wanted to get some bacon. You know, when they start messing with the prices of bacon, there's a problem in this world, you know what I'm talking about? It's like $8 for bacon. I'm like, are you kidding me? Get me a pig and I'll take care of that. I don't know what to do. Inflation, COVID, inflation, and then we're in a season of the great resignation. And it, it, you might have heard about it on the news, but I guarantee you've been impacted because when I went to Target, I, I said the name of the store, when I went to Target the other night in Manteca, I didn't realize that they, here's the deal, they must have known that I was coming because I got my stuff and put it in the cart and I wanted to go check out. There was only one checker. And then there was the, the, the ones you can do yourself, right? Which I would do myself, but they put a new sign up that happened to be kind of handwritten. I don't know if maybe it was some, wasn't somebody from Target, but they put the sign up and said, if you have more than 15 items, you need to go to the regular checkout. And I had more than 15 items. And you you know what, they must have hired somebody, and God bless this person, if you're watching today, uh, um, bless you, right, but they, they, they must have said, hey, we're looking for the slowest possible person in the universe. Is there anybody that's really slow out there? That, you know, when I, I was a checker, my wife and I, we worked at, we met at Kmart, that's a beautiful love story, isn't it? And so we were teenagers, but we, that's back in the day when you had to type in $1.99, groceries, and you put it in the bag, right? $1.89, health and beauty aids, you had to put, oh, and, and price check, there ain't no price check. How much do you think it was? 99 cents, I'll trust you, 99 cents. It was, it, just the way. <laughs> we used to have to do the work. Now, literally, all you, and if you're a checker, I love you. You're probably the fastest one in the world, right? Or, or you're gonna be faster after today. But all you gotta do is take that and beep, right? I'm just saying. And then the bag thing is like circles. For, we used to have to pick the bags up and put them in the, in the grocery cart for it. You know what I'm talking about? Now, now you gotta get my own. Anyway, this guy was really, really Slow, he must have really enjoyed every product because he analyzed everything. <laughs> My point is, people aren't going, leave it, leave it up for me, people aren't going back to work. Can you put that list, put, thank you. People aren't going back to work. Let me say something. For those of us that are a little bit older, it's really easy to look at the younger generation and go, bunch of lazy punks. <laughs> but that's what your mama and daddy said about you too, right? <laughs> That's what they said about you. Every generation has said that about every generation that's underneath them. So I don't know if we should blame the younger generation. I don't know really what the, what the thing is about people not going back to work. And you might say it's because the government has been paying people to stay home. And well, that's done dried up now. So um, I don't know what the reason is, but it's impacting all of us. 
Like, like we took my wife out for her birthday uh, to Macaroni Grill last Sunday evening. And we made the reservation with the manager and the guy was really pleasant to, to be, be fair, but we walk and he's like, ooh, party of 13. Yeah, I don't know if we can do that. I'm like, dude, I made a reservation literally with you. Like, I talked to you. You're the guy. I remember that phone call, but we only have one cook and one server. And I'm like, well, it looks like your one cook and your one server is going to be serving 13 more people because we made a reservation and we all came from out of town to be here. And they, they handled it really, really well, but there's just not enough employees to service. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's all over. 50% of church attenders pre-COVID have returned. And 30% of those that are surveyed, according to Barner, which is the biggest uh, survey network in the nation, 30% of people who attended church prior to COVID have decided they're not gonna go back to church. So they're considered de-churched folks now. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm not blaming, I'm just stating a fact. Some of you will remember this, or some of you remember it from your history books, for those of you a little bit younger, but on Saturday, April 26, 1986, a nuclear catastrophe took place in the globe. You'll know it as Chernobyl. And some of you might remember the Chernobyl power plant in the Ukraine. During that, I mean, it was a terrible meltdown. It caused all kinds of of damage, 350,000 people were evacuated, and 1,000 miles, a radius of 1,000 miles in every direction from that Chernobyl plant was evacuated and an exclusion zone was created. Nobody was allowed to live within 1,000 miles. What used to be a, a bustling city used to be thriving in that whole area, different suburbs and different things because so many people were employed at the power plant or served the people who were employed at the power plant, but it's all lifeless, literally. But something happened. Within three years, that area began to show life. And I know it sounds like a long time, but 35 years later where, where we stand, we're beyond that, but 35 years later where there was once this bustling city, there is now overgrown, thriving forest of plant and animal life. Where they thought nothing could survive, now a forest exists with all kinds of varieties of plants and all kinds of animals. Why? Because plants want to grow. Plants want to expand and plants want to flourish. That's what makes up the unique genetic traits that God gave to the plants. You ever tried to get rid of mint in your backyard, right? You just try to get rid of that stuff. You can't get rid of it, right? You try to get rid of it. You pull it. You spray it. You do whatever you got to do. Mint just won't go away. Coming out of this difficult season, I'm reminded of some metaphors that are similar to what happened in the Chernobyl incident. Metaphors in the Bible of like the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. We have to stay grafted to that vine because that vine cannot be killed. I'm reminded of the mustard seed. If we have faith the size of that of a mustard seed, we can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and it must obey us. 
I'm reminded of the fields are ripe for the harvest. No matter what it looks like, the kingdom of God is very much alive, always. Last night we had our, our gathering at the Modesto campus and many of you know our Modesto campus was under what's called a memorandum of understanding, a contractual agreement between two churches. One church called the Carpenter's House of the Assemblies of God and one church, us, New Life Church of the Assemblies of God. We came alongside them for the course of that year, helped them make some management, some administrative, some logistical, uh, and some spiritual decisions that needed to be made. And it was not easy. A lot of transitions took place. A lot of difficult decisions were made. A lot of investment from us was put into that particular campus. And last night they had the opportunity to make the vote. And the vote was, we are officially closing the corporation known as the Carpenter's House of the Assemblies of God after its existence of over 44 years. And then they would immediately open as a part of the New Life Church network of churches. It was a difficult decision, although they unanimously, not a single nay or question about it, everybody was in agreement and wanted that. But I talked to them about the closing of churches, which is what I want to chat with you for just a second about. Um, uh, they, we like to base our church upon the pattern of the churches in the book of Acts. In fact, I often say, we are Acts 29ers because there's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts and the book of Acts is the only book that doesn't end. It doesn't have like a closing to it. It just like stops. Why? Because it's still being written. We're still a part of the church age until Jesus comes back and raptures the church. We're still a part of this thing called the church. Hmm. Were those churches successful? Did they make a difference? Were they important? Were they significant? Yes, 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 and yes. And yet they all closed. Not one of those churches in the book of Acts is still open today. In fact, many of the churches they planted and then planted and then planted are closed today. So if the closing of a church is the hallmark of failure, then the church has been failing for thousands of years. Without the early church's hard work and determination and sacrifice and love, we wouldn't have the opportunity to experience Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today because every local church, this one, that one, that one, this one, this one, can trace its lineage back to the book of Acts, back to the churches in the book of Acts. Had they not given their all, putting their all on the line, we may not have the joy of worshiping in this house today. Do churches have problems? Uh, you better believe it. I think sometimes the church, here's the deal, churches have problems when they grow beyond one person, right? So if there's two people in there, there's gonna be a problem eventually. <laughs> yes. But, but rest assured, God's plan moves forward in spite of apparent problems and struggles in the church. Even if a church closes, the kingdom of God will not be halted. We see things dimly, but God sees things through the big picture. Amen. One of my life verses is James 1.12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let me say it again. Blessed is the man who perseveres, doesn't give up, under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to him who loves 
him. So what do we do? What do we do? We've got COVID and the, 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 the great resignation and the, uh, what was the second thing that I said? The only oh, inflation. We can't, do, what do we do? This year, what do we do? Here's my message for you, which happens to be the devotion prior to our meeting in a moment. Three ways I'll challenge you very quickly. Number one, give yourself completely over to God. In view of what he's done for you, give yourself completely over to God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Give yourself completely to God. Number two, don't conform to the pattern of negativity of this world. Don't be sucked into that. Don't conform, Romans 12, to, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's be different. Let's go against the flow. Let's go counterculture. Let's be peculiar people. Let's act like Christ followers, not just talk like we claim to be Christ followers. And then number three, be teachable. I, I said, I said, give yourself completely to God. Don't conform to the pattern negative to this world and be teachable. We don't really preach on Hebrews 13, 17, but let me read it to you. Hebrews 13, 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. We don't, we don't often teach about, you know, um, that you need to uh, submit to your authority, to your leaders in the church especially, because it can sound extremely self-serving. But if you got the right leaders who have your heart, your, your life, your future, your destiny in mind, it's to your benefit to submit to that. Here's the deal. When, when I stand before God, I'll be judged at a different level than you will be. That doesn't mean that you're going to get a wink and a nudge and a free pass. But it means that I'm going to have to give an account for every word that I spoke. That is huge. There's a higher level of accountability there, and it, it doesn't warrant your, um, your praise. It, it warrants your respect. And we don't have an issue with this. But as we walk into 2022, and we're starting to see a culture, in my opinion, that is becoming more defiant, I'm challenging the church not to fall into that trap. Let us be in one accord and be unified and be teachable people. Let me, um, let me illustrate this, and I'm gonna end up taking a few extra minutes. I'm gonna call an audible here, but, but, I, but I can. So I'll cut the meeting shorter, but I think this is important. When I started, when, when we started the church uh, almost 11 years ago, and it's expanded and God has done some great things since then, and it's all for the glory and the joy of the Lord, um, I had already preached a message like this many times. And as we started the church with this message and several times have shared the same illustration over the past several years. But this is what I believe ministry is in an illustrated format. So if you heard it before, hear it again. If you've not heard it before, listen very closely. One day I'll write about this. I believe that there's one job that we have and that is to serve to serve the bread. Jesus is the bread. In fact, he tells us, he tells us in John uh, chapter, it's chapter eight, I believe. Can we put that on the screen? 
Thank you. It says John chapter 6, verse 48. It says, I am the bread of life. When he calls himself the bread of life, one of the I am statements, one of the seven I am statements, one of them is I am the bread of life. I am the bread. I am the sustenance. I am the, 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 the fuel. I am the thing that will enable you, will sustain you. I am the, um, the source is what he's saying. I am the bread of life. And so here's the deal. This is how the church works. Jesus is the bread. The bread is what? I want everybody online to hear what you just said. Jesus is what? Yeah, and the bread is what? Jesus. There we go. Right on. Good. Good. It's like hallelujah. We just said that wrong. And here's the deal. The church is the table. The church is the table. The table can be big. There are big churches out there that have lots and lots of space. The table can be uh, a pallet set on top of a cinder block where people are gathered around and they're eating the bread. The table could be a, a small coffee table. The table could be a banquet table. The table could be a folding table. The table could be a card table. Tables look all differentless. Now, tables can be, some tables need to be fixed because they're not very steady, right? But it's still the table. We're not about the table, we're about the bread. The table is secondary to the bread. My wife is a wonderful cook, and we raised, at one time for about five, six years, we had seven kids. And those seven kids would sit around what was a dining room table, but really was a conference table that we were, somebody was throwing away, and so we put it, anyway, whatever, we made that because we couldn't find a dining room table big enough for all of us. My wife would make those meals, and we'd sit down at those meals, and everybody's hungry when they come to the table. Mom would say, dinner time, we'd come sit down, and we'd get ready. It was, nobody ever said, my my, my mama, uh, uh, what a beautiful table. <laughs> Nobody noticed the table because it was all about the food that was on the table. It's all about the bread. God help us if it ever becomes about the table and not about the bread. And around the table, which could look different ways, um, uh, around the table are four chairs. The first chair is the chair that I'm calling the chair for the dude with the food. The chair is for the chair of the pastor. The chair is for the chair of the leadership team of the church. Those that God, have, God has called for such a time as this to serve, to equip the body for the work of the ministry. And so there's got to be, there's got to be some people in this chair. There's, you know, there's just got to be. That's the elders and that's the leaders and so forth. This is the chair, but it's about the bread. And so my job as the dude with the food or the, the dudette with the foodette, whoever it is, our job is to get your focus on the bread. Amen. Chair number two, this chair is for unbelievers, uh, the heathen, the, um, the uh, uh, unregenerated, the sinners. Those are all such negative terms, aren't they? Oh yeah, we're gonna win somebody when we start calling them names, aren't we? We like to call them here at New Life, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, the sought. Because Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. So they're the sought. In other words, you're wanted. This chair is for people who have no relationship with God at all, but they're coming to church probably for one of three reasons. Number one, because mama drug them to church. <laughs> number two, because they were coerced in some way. Or number three, because they want to prove us wrong, be an interruption, something like that. I don't care. I want this chair filled every time we gather together at every one of our gatherings. Chair number three, 
This chair is for what we call new believers. People who used to be in that chair, but now have come into this incredible realization that they need a relationship with a God that loves them just the way they are. And they've encountered that relationship. These people are on fire. They're so excited they're gonna tell the crickets in the corner of their house that God saved them. Now they don't know how to act in church. They might be smoking a doobie in the bathroom, but they're having a great time for Jesus. And there's a seat for these people at the table at New Life Church. Chair number four. Chair number four, this chair is for what we call the mature followers of Jesus, the mature followers of Christ. Now don't be mistaken. This one isn't a time served chair. Because you might be you might have served a whole lot of time, but dude, you're still in that chair over there. Or you're in this chair over here. But this is for the mature follower of Jesus. This is for somebody that says, I know who I was. I know what God did in my life. Now allow me, God, to be used as a part of your team. Grafted to the vine, gripping the plow, catching the wind of the spirit. Let my life be used by you. And that's what this chair is, a mature follower of Jesus, submitted to the Lord and all his precepts. And this is the church. I said the bread is Jesus. I said the table is the church. I said chair number one, man, this is for the dude with the food, the leadership team. Chair number two is for the unbeliever, the sought. Chair number three, this is for the new believer. And chair number four, this is for the mature follower of Jesus Christ. And now let me give you percentages because I know y'all want to know. Let me tell you this. 33% of the church should be in this chair. 33% of the church should be in that chair. And 33% of the church should be in that chair. That's what I believe. A third of the church should not know God and frankly be a little antagonistic toward God when they come here. We're gonna love the socks off of them. A third of the church should be new believers. I don't know how to behave. I just know what God has done in my life. Now let us, let us it's called discipleship. Let us, I don't wanna transfer my culture to you. I wanna transform your life by the power of God's word. So let's teach you the word of God. Let's help you understand God and his, his love and his concern. And then this 33% of the church should be mature followers. Here's how it works. If I'm doing my job correctly, I'm telling every single chair, stay focused on the bread. Stay on the bread. Quit looking at the, cha- the table. You gotta look, keep your eyes on the bread. That's my, my job is really simple. One, one, one item on my job description. Keep them looking at the bread. And, and when that happens, what's going to happen is the mature followers of Jesus are going to, um, well, first of all, here's how it works. These people, this chair, the new believers, are the people we need to lean into the most. Why? Because some of you have been saved a long time. Your sphere of influence is very, very small. And that's a good thing. Because you've already done, did, got most of the people in your network saved already. Or you've told them about Jesus. But these people, they haven't. They've got, stats say they've got nine friendships, nine relationships that, of people they don't know Jesus. Every new believer does. That's within proximity of the same church they got saved in. That means every person who gets saved should have nine people they can bring with them next week. 
and only they can influence them. I can't influence those friends like they can. So we need to nurture them. So if, here's the deal. If they're doing their job, they're counseling and coaching and training and teaching and encouraging these folks to invite their friends, propagate the good news. When they begin to invite their friends, this chair is gonna be filled. When they see this life transformation take place and these people move to this chair, they're gonna want more of that. Tell me how I get more of that. They're gonna begin to be more and more discipled. They're gonna move into this chair and it gradually moves around. And what happens is this chair gets fuller and fuller and fuller. But if this chair isn't doing its job, the church is just going to be full of a bunch of mature followers of Jesus that aren't doing anything for God. So we've got to be filling this chair constantly through, through outreach, through activities, through ministry, through side doors to the church. We've got to do whatever we can, anything short of sin, to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And this system, it works. Oh, whoa. But there's something else. There's another chair. Now this is a really nice high chair. Quick story, my, uh, my wife and I have grandkids, we have five grandkids, and we have decided when we had our first one that we were gonna go find over 100-year-old high chairs, um, and every time a grandchild is born, we, we'll refinish it and make it look nice, and we'll give that grandchild a high chair, and then after they grow out of the high chair, we'll wrap it up, put their name on it, put it in the attic, and when they turn 18, we'll give them their high chair that they sat in when they were a kid, so it's kind of a beautiful, so I'm not gonna treat this one with dis disdain today, but this is a high chair, and it's not a high chair, if you've heard this before, you know it's actually called the eye chair. So at the table, I'm trying to get people focus on the bread. And that's what we hear from the person sitting in the eye chair. And what happens is I end up turning my attention and my focus away from the They never go sit over there. They're always sitting right here. Right here between the leadership and the mature followers of Jesus trying to get us to turn our attention away from the bread and on the whiny, complainy, you get it, person. So what happens is, well, I'm like, oh my goodness, here's your pacifier, put it back in your mouth, then I turn back toward the bread, right? Oh boy, something just happened here, now I'm getting triggered, right? So I gotta turn back, here's your pacifier, here's your sippy cup, you know, patty on the back, change your little diaper, right? The thing about this one is, they're not even at the table you and I are at. They got their own table. The agenda of the person in the eye chair is to get us focused on a different table and ultimately to take our focus off of the bread. Now I'm not saying we can't disagree or we can't have opinions. I'm not saying that we can't have suggestions or thoughts, but when it starts to get personal in the church, there's a real problem with that. We've got to deal with people that are in the eye chair. And I've got to tell you right now, as far as I am know, as far as I know in the New Life Church family, we have nobody that I'm aware of that's in the eye chair. Uh, and for 10 years, the longest stint I've, I've ever experienced, for 10 years, we have had very few people in the eye chair. And every one of those have had a living room conversation with me at it, from one time to another because part of my job is to keep us focused on the bread. And if all you're focused on is your pacifier and your diaper and your, your binky and your blah, 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 you know, you're not focused on the bread. And my job is to come sit down with you in your living room and say, knock it off. You're not focused on the bread. Are we focused on Jesus or are we focused on your own agenda, your own table? 
We don't have this issue, and we're not going to have this issue at New Life Church because we are too busy being about, about the bread. So the only way that we can actually make this true or make this successful is if we give ourselves completely over to God, is if we don't conform to the pattern of negativity in this world, and if we are indeed teachable. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At this point in the gathering, I am extremely blessed to be able to offer uh, the right hand of fellowship to some people that have decided that they want to be at this table called New Life Church in the form of membership. And so what I wanna do is I want to invite these candidates for membership, should they be here. Some of them are ill and weren't able to be here, but we're still gonna welcome them today as members of this great church. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand on this side of me on the, on the, on the stage, if you would please. Um, and when I call you, or just come on up if you know, Felicia and Mark and Ashley and Johnny and Chelsea, if you are here, come on up here and, and join me on this side. Let's welcome them. Praise the Lord. So we have got Johnny and Ashley and Mark and Felicia and Chelsea. We, we bless you. The, the COVID is still affecting their family. And so we bless you as you're watching from home. Just know we're extending the right hand of fellowship to you as well as new members of this great church. The following are biblical commitments in becoming a member of New Life Church. Number one, I will protect the unity of the church by acting in love and loving one another by refusing to gossip and by following the leadership of the church. Number two, uh, a biblical commitment to becoming a part, a member of New Life Church is I will share in the responsibility by praying for its growth, by inviting the sought to attend, and by warmly welcoming those who visit. Number three, by serving in the ministry, by discovering your gifts and talents, by being equipped to serve, and by developing a servant's heart, and then number four, by support of the testimony of the church, by attending faithfully, by living a godly life, and by giving regularly per your commitment. And all of these individuals present and those that are online watching us, the five individuals have gone through the application process, it's, it's not that hard, but they went through the class, They followed the precepts of the church, they went through an interview with one of our elders, and it's with the elders' unanimous recommendation and the approval of the pastoral team that it gives me great pleasure to present to you today those who have accepted this responsibility and are ready to live together with you as members of New Life Church. Once again, Felicia Doyle, Mark Febre, Ashley Gaspar, Johnny Howard, and Chelsea Smith. Can we give them a hand of welcoming them? Praise the Lord. So I'm gonna ask you to extend your hand out to them and we're gonna pray for them right now. Would you pray with me? Mighty God, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for Johnny. Thank you for Ashley. Thank you, God, for Mark. 
God, thank you for Felicia and thank you for Chelsea. We bless them. We welcome them. We know that this is a commitment, Lord, a decision that we don't walk into a relationship like this uh, lightly, uh, but we do it reverently and discreetly. And so, Lord, today we say thank you that the family of God, the membership of this church is growing. We're going to protect the unity. We're going to share in the responsibility. We're going to serve in the ministry and we're going to support the testimony of this great church. We give that to you today as our commitment, our pledge, and we trust that you'll make it yes and amen in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen. and amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So if you're not a member of this church, of course, you're welcome to become a member of this church. You just simply need to talk to myself or one of the pastors, and we'll get you on the right track. All right, well, here it is, the end of the gathering. We're gonna take about a five-minute break, and then we're going to have our State of the Church address. If you are interested in the business of the church and what the church is doing, you're welcome to stay, whether you're a member or not. We will do a division of the house, which means the members will be uh, in the center section, everybody else in the outside section, so that we can make sure we vote accordingly. But I told you a few minutes ago, before we end this gathering, I'd give you an opportunity to be baptized in water. So if there's somebody here today that would say, you know what, Pastor Troy, this is a little awkward, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little scared, but I really feel like the Lord has been dealing with me and I need to be baptized in water today. I love Jesus, I wanna give him my whole life and I wanna make the decision myself to be baptized in water because I identify with his death, his burial and his resurrection. If that's you, this is the hard part. I want you to just raise your hand right now. Some people are like, Pastor, what are you doing? Don't you, aren't you awkward about this? Doesn't it feel a little weird? Well, it does, but I've done this for like 27 years now. Every time we do a baptism service, we offer this because I don't want anybody to not have the opportunity to be obedient to the Lord. Now, here's the other thing. If you do want to be baptized, but you're just not sure about today because you'd like your family to be here and so forth, that's a very special thing. We understand. I'd like you to write on a connect card in front of you. I want to be baptized and then your phone number and stuff. We'll call you and we'll figure out what your schedule looks like and we'll schedule it on the day you'd like it to be done. And we'll make sure we give you the opportunity to be baptized in water. Larry, I'm proud of you. I, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, what a beautiful thing this was. I also, uh, I, think, I think I know you because I think I do. I think you got a, this guy's got an incredible sense of humor. And I, I think I know, Larry's like, I wanna be baptized but I don't want to wait till after Easter because then I got to get in that lake at River Islands. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace.